Hi there, this is How to Choose, the show that helps you make better decisions and improves your judgment. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tessa. And I'm Ken. In this, our third season of How to Choose, we've explored the topic of thinking problems and we've looked at eight different biases that impede our decision making. And this is the last episode for the season. So we want we want to do in this episode is just wrap up everything that we've talked about so far. So a heuristic is a mental shortcut that helps us make quick but often less than optimal decisions. The benefit is that they allow us to make quick decisions based on approximations, mental shortcuts, and educated guesses. But the downside is that they often lead us to make flawed decisions. Now, Ken, we started this season reflecting on just how rational we are. Have you changed your self-rating? Yes. Well, it's been pretty humbling to reflect on these biases, hasn't it? And how strongly they impact all of us. I think my self-rating of seven was overly generous, Tess. Yeah. And as I said earlier in the season, a good analyst should constantly update their judgment based on new information. So as a result of researching this season, I'm also going to downgrade myself. I was a seven, but I'm going to say a six. None of us really are very rational at all. And I've rated myself slightly above average due to all the excellent skills that I've learned this season to counter this irrationality. And I think this season has really thoroughly demonstrated that rational economic theory just doesn't explain the way that humans really interact with the world. Behavioural economics shows that often our thinking and our decision-making are not rational. The fictional species Homo economicus um, that economists might talk about is dead. You know, we are Homo sapiens. We're flawed. We're messy. Or as the really interesting book by Gary Marcus describes, we are clues, which means uh, a clues is a solution that's inelegant, it's inefficient, it's clumsy, it's patched together, but it still succeeds in solving a specific problem or performing a particular task. Yeah, exactly. And as Marcus's book demonstrates again and again, our minds are clues. They were created by evolution, which means that we still have the old wiring in there that tells us that there might be a saber-toothed tiger behind that office door and our central nervous system responds accordingly. Now, if you find this as interesting as we do, we're excited to say that we're going to have some episodes uh, coming up where we will speak with a neuroscientist, Dr. Mark Williams, who is a really fascinating researcher. Uh, and he's going to have a bunch of stuff to to talk about uh, in terms of how the brain works and how that impacts our ability to make decisions. So keep your eyes open for those episodes coming up. Now, as a way to reflect and refresh our learning on all these messy, inelegant thinking problems that we humans have, I thought that we could revisit each topic and some of the ways we discovered to counter each bias. Do you want to start us off with confirmation bias, Ken? So confirmation bias is our tendency to value more highly information and evidence that supports what we already believe and to be much more skeptical of information that challenges what we believe. So simply put, when other people agree with me, I like it. Those people seem intelligent and well-informed. But if those people disagree with me, I am less impressed with their intelligence and their arguments. Like a number of other biases, it reflects our strong but often subconscious preference to stick with our original judgments and opinions rather than review and refine them as we encounter new information. So to counter this confirmation bias, train yourself to ask a really useful question, what would convince me that I was wrong? If your answer is nothing, then you might want to pause and rethink that answer because confirmation bias can be very strong. What about anchoring bias, Tess? So anchoring bias occurs when we rely too heavily on pre-existing information 
or the first piece of information, the anchor, when making a decision. Anchoring bias is one of the most robust effects in psychology, and the bias even holds up when the anchor is obtained by something totally random like rolling dice. And amazingly, even when researchers remind people that the anchor is irrelevant and should not be considered, we are that easy to influence. So next time you're offered an initial anchor, pause, realize that it's an anchor, and take the time to dissect it. Maybe do some research, uh, don't respond straight away, as because we know that we don't adjust enough from that initial anchor. Now that you know this, you can actually use anchoring against others. But please use your power for good and not evil. For instance, when negotiating a pay rise that you do actually deserve, make the first offer. Don't be anchored by your boss or organisation. Availability bias is next. Um, It's our tendency to pay more attention to examples that quickly come to mind. In other words, they're quickly available. Remember our question to listeners about what animal kills the most people in Australia? Deadly sharks and venomous snakes make for memorable news stories, but they provide us with a very narrow sample of information. We learnt that our memory is imperfect and it's incomplete. So the key then is don't rely too heavily on your memory. Understand how your memory works, understand its limitations, and then supplement your memory and test it with other sources of data that you can trust. Yeah, and for anyone who didn't listen to that episode, the answer is actually a a domestic animal. I won't give it away, but you don't see, I don't think I've ever seen a headline about one of these animals killing, killing someone in Australia. You know, I've seen a lot about crocs eating backpackers in the NT. Uh, Yeah, it's very surprising. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Our next one was hindsight bias, which is our tendency to look back at unpredictable events and think that they were actually easily predictable, also called the new at all along effect. The hindsight bias can have a negative influence on our decision making as part of what helps us to make good decisions is realistically assessing the consequences. And this bias can lead to overconfidence in our prediction ability. This can be bad as our overconfidence may lead us to take unnecessary risks. Uh, One way that you can avoid this is by keeping a record of major decisions. So we don't rely on our flawed memory when assessing the outcome of those decisions. And maybe train yourself to catch yourself when you say, I knew that was going to happen. All right. Base rate neglect is the next one. And that's our tendency to make Quick judgments, we're seeing a pattern here, lots of quick judgments. Um, Base rate neglect is our tendency to make quick judgments about the likelihood of something being true or something happening based on patterns that we observe or on instinct, while at the same time ignoring the statistics. Patterns can be really helpful and our instinct can give us insights that can be really useful, but we need to be careful not to ignore the base rate And the base rate is the statistical frequency of something happening. We also need to accept that we can't be exceptional at everything. And we need to realize that the law of averages impacts all of us in different ways. And even if you loathe maths, respect statistics. Statistics are really important, particularly to support financial or business decisions. Next, we had optimism bias, which refers to our tendency to overestimate the likelihood of experiencing positive events and underestimate the likelihood of experiencing negative ones. And unfounded optimism can actually cause you to choose behaviours that are not in your best interests. And encountering this bias, you can actually use your knowledge that you gained from the previous episode on base rates and planning, and it will help you have more realistic timelines. So anyone out there, you know, planning a kitchen renovation, go go and re-listen to that episode. Loss aversion. 
strange as it might sound, numerous experiments have shown that we experience losses more powerfully than gains of the same value. This phenomenon is known as loss aversion, and it's very neatly summarized as it is better to not lose $20 than it is to find $20 or to not drop and break a $100 bottle of wine than it is to receive a $100 bottle of wine as a gift. Again, it's an important bias to be aware of when it comes to financial decisions, particularly when you're chatting with an insurance salesperson. Being cautious can be good, but loss aversion can sometimes stop us from taking action that is in our best interests. And finally, groupthink, which is expressed in either informative influence, which is where you are, say, a non-expert and you trust that the group or the leader knows better than you do, or normative influence, when you actually do know better than the group, but you decide to conform rather than rock the boat. And this can be really dangerous for good decision-making. A simple way to avoid this is to make sure that the group's leader doesn't say what their view of the situation is until they've heard from everyone else. That is a lot of biases, isn't it, Tess? Yeah, it's it's a bit overwhelming. Uh, but the scary thing is it's only just the tip of the iceberg. There are so many more out there. Uh, just to name a few, there's also the representativeness bias, uh, making judgments based upon the similarity of one thing to its archetype. In social situations, this leads to prejudice. The affect bias, we often make decisions based on emotions, moods, and gut feelings rather than logic. The absurdity bias, we tend to classify things that are improbable as absurd rather than giving them proper consideration. And there are still so many more. I'll put a link in the show notes to a good summary of some of these other biases that we haven't covered in the season. And we could easily do an entire second season on these and still not be done. Uh, But if there are a few that you would like us to unpack uh, in more detail, please contact us through our website or our socials. And we're really happy to do a couple of bonus episodes. And, and the point of this is not to intimidate you by the sheer scale of all these biases and thinking problems. They're also really useful as they do help us make decisions quickly. You know, it's really handy, for instance, if you need to decide between, say, Thai and Vietnamese takeaway, then feel free to rely on anchoring bias. Maybe your mum just said she had a great Thai meal or groupthink and just go along with what the majority wants, even though you do really want Vietnamese. When things don't matter that much, they help us save time and brain power. Yeah, that's right. Heuristics are mental shortcuts that can sometimes be useful. We don't need to labor and linger over every decision. That will be extremely annoying for everyone else around us uh, and socially unhelpful. However, be aware, particularly for important decisions, they can lead us to make errors in our thinking processes. When something's important, slow down, use some of the counterbalancing techniques that we've talked about. For example, set your own anchor. Well, get people in a group to write down their responses first before sharing with the group or examine what the base rate is before deciding. So, Ken, what's been your key takeaway for the entire season? Well, look, if I had to say just one thing, and this is very broad and it's probably going to sound repetitive, I need to pause when I'm making important judgments or decisions. I can naturally be a bit impulsive. Um, Now, that could be a judgment about a person. And those are important judgments because they impact how we treat those people and the opportunities that we might give someone or deny somebody. It could be a decision in my workplace. It could be a decision about how to spend my money. I need to pause and ask myself, what are the thinking problems that might be clouding my ability to think clearly and make a good decision here? And to avoid drawing a blank 
when I ask myself that question, I need to spend some time reflecting on these different common biases that we've been talking about and just really let them sink into my head. Um, and to help you with that, Tess and I have pulled together a little infographic um, that you'll be able to download for free from our website. So we'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, I completely agree, Ken. Taking that moment to pause and reflect actually can help counter so many of these biases. But for me, it's about not beating myself up when I fall victim to one of them too. They're so common and we know that even experts in decision-making like judges are susceptible. So part of it for me is observing when I may have demonstrated one of these biases and then learning from it so I can make a better decision next time. What was your key takeaway, listener? And remember, teach a friend. It will help the learning stick. Uh, and if you've enjoyed this season, and I hope you have, um, make sure to subscribe to How to Choose and visit us at goodbetterright.com.au. Uh, we have a number of resources on our website that you might find useful. Now, sadly, this is the end of season three, but keep your ears open for season four. And we will have some bonus episodes sprinkled throughout our break to give you your decision-making fix. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. It's not just because we're obsessed with everybody hearing about the show, but we also realize that talking about the things that you're learning is a really, really good way to cement those lessons. Bye for now.